BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Welcome to the Wizard and the Bruiser. We need some like hollow, hollow Hollywood music. You know what I mean? Oh, oh my God! Heldon's actually here. Is that Jake right behind him? We gotta get these pictures. Get those cameras out of my face! Get those fucking cameras! I'll kill you! I'll kill all of you! I don't care if another princess dies. <laughs> I want those pictures. <laughs> these paparazzi are killing me. Hey, stop! Those flashing lights are exacerbating. <laughs> the side effects of all the illegal drugs I'm on. Please, I've done so many illegal drugs tonight. I'm a manager and, and an agent, and I love the emptiness of Hollywood. I want to do some cocaine and break some car windows. Because the year is over, and we're going over the best Whizbrew episodes of... 2023. I love this episode. This is where we take a look. I feel like, have we done these just for Patreon bonus in the past? In the past, we've only done it for uh, Patreon bonuses. But honestly, this year has hit different. I don't know what it is. I just feel like something about the just the amount of like entire life consuming topics we've covered. I don't know whether it's. Just uh, the luck of the draw. Maybe it's in my own uh, advanced age. I'm like getting more analytical and looking back on a lot of things that I took for granted. But there I counted at least 18 episodes that we've done this year that have like fundamentally changed my life, have fundamentally altered the way I perceive the world around me. Or we're just like fucking bangers that were super fun to engage with that I honestly, these are topics that I would have never given a second thought if it wasn't for the fact that, God damn it, this is this is my job is to just dive into these fandoms, these communities, these works of art and just try and come up with a what the fuck is the deal with these things? Yeah, so we did like our list for a different episode of like top games and movies of the year. This will be a little looser than that, but we do have some categories that we're not going to like list out or anything, but I want to start with just like from a research perspective, what was the most enjoyable to research? And we can just kind of take a look at you know, go through this, this kind of all of these. I think the first one that pops up immediately in January got to be Furby, right? Yes. Furby was what a blast was it to research. about Furby? Cause that was one that was like immediately on my list. I think it's part of it is examining that cultural moment of the virtual pet, which kind of like came and went in a little bit of a flash. Like at the time, the transition from Tamagotchi to Furby to Gigapet to Digimon to all this stuff uh, was it was just it was everything and everywhere. But more importantly, the Furby was such a weird incarnation of that idea. Uh, we talked about how the creator Dave Hampton literally saw a Tamagotchi at Toy Fair and was like, this is bullshit thing ain't got a face. I got to make something with a face. and Which we just did our Hot Wheels episode. And that's exactly like the guy was just like, these matchbook cars are like barely roll across the floor. Like, <laughs> I know I could do better than this. And then made Hot Wheels. Very much a lot of those reactions. I think, I think that's a big part of it. Like the development process is interesting. I think it hits that nostalgia factor because this really was a groundbreaking toy during our mm-hmm. uh, childhood, right? So we we just have this weird affinity for it. And then the real kicker, the final kind of nail in the coffin to make it a fun episode of research, the internet took it and got weird with it. <laughs> and that always makes it more fun. Like it the had this- The long Furby, the weird caterpillar Furbies with a million baby doll hands. Apparently like- the Furby lived in all of our nightmares growing up. And we all collectively realized at a certain point online and started pl- having fun with that. 
that concept. And it gave it this whole second life that made it very, very interesting for for us. And I think like it's bells and whistles. It's just it does what what Funko don't, you know, it just it just because it's this weird thing that's trying to like look like at least give you the the illusion of learning and evolving and like growing and and, and becoming sentient in this yeah. way that just the lifeless beady eyed Funko pop is just a different type of cultural phenomenon, more of a collector phenomenon and that that's its own thing that its own interesting world but still like this just has that zing to it because of all that i also love a good engineering story and the furby itself uh, as a device especially before it got like now they're all very computerized now they you know basically need a companion ipad app in order to function properly but that og furby like using a series of cams and levers and like connect and connectors just off a single electric motor to create this illusion of life. And like you mentioned, that slow dribble of vocabulary mixed with the creator's own psycho-spiritual understanding of like life and renewal and global harmony created this thing that like literally the Pentagon banned the thing, or I don't know, that was an urban legend. I forgot the actual source for that. But they were like, oh, this magic uh, robot will spy on our troops if they like get close to classified information. When really it's just like, uh, a couple of kilobytes of sa- of sound samples just being divvied out over time. Uh, no, the Furby was definitely one of those beautiful ones where we pick the topic, we go, I hope there's enough for this to be a whole episode, and then it turns out it is a deep dive that is just, just has no bottom. Absolutely. I, just a wonderful, wonderful kind of through line to that. I like a multi-parter, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just had, it, it, it told three different stories almost in one episode, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going like in chronological order here. So Jake, feel free to like throw one in if I skip one or, or if we're on one. just like raw fun, right? Not yeah, like just mind bending research, just like it, for different reasons, right? Because this, this one, hits for totally different reasons. My next two hit for totally different reasons why they were fun to research. Mm-hmm. The Far Side was a pure nostalgia romp. Mm. I just, I was, I loved Far Side as a kid. It was the type of topic that like, maybe the actual research itself not as much per se as the like experience of re-enjoying all of those single panel mm-hmm. Far Sides that just took me right back to my childhood. And and I I, I and Farsight also has that thing where it holds up like a motherfucker, where that shit is just as funny today as it was back then to adult me, you know, and it's kind of a timeless humor that just works very, very well. And man, that TV show was dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no idea why they would ever do that. But yeah, just a quick nod to the far side. Not it wasn't too deep past that. Uh, one that I had a lot of fun with was uh, the Keanu Reeves episode. Oh yeah. Uh, a just because it gave me an excuse to watch a lot of different movies uh, from all these like kind of early days of Keanu, where he was still like kind of just floating around, just like you know, besides Bill and Ted, besides uh, the Matrix. What you know, he's like on a he's on a Mexican vineyard. He's like he's a romantic lead kinda. Mm-hmm. He's a j- comedic lead kinda. He's a dramatic lead kinda. And I think it just really I love I, I it's it serves as a mirror to the Nicolas Cage episode that we did. I believe that was last year, and that is just like these two Gen X actors in their just like. They're weird, like cipher, both being unlikely action stars of the 90s and 2000s and both having this weird like philosophy cult behind their like weirdness and both of them not being particularly great at traditional acting, I would say, whereas Nick Cage is all about maximizing and just throwing confetti everywhere. Watching Keanu Reeves just kind of like quietly kind of just like ghost walk his way through these films was also really fascinating. I don't know. I just really enjoyed doing that week of research. And and he's just, gosh darn it, he's just downright inspiring. Yeah. It, it, he, he's the real deal. And the internet has, again, talk about like the internet kind of invading on a thing. The internet's kind of really t- taken his story and ran with it. 
you know, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, man, that's so crazy. You're, are you drinking red wine right now? No, no, no. This is uh iced coffee. I just have it in a wine glass. Oh, for, okay. I'm uh, right. I was about to say, I was like, no, 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 it's just the time difference. It's, it's so jarring to me. Cause I'm it's like, it's definitely... wine o'clock somewhere. Holden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would drink wine at one 30 in the afternoon I, on a Saturday. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But anyways, uh, yeah, I, it, he's, he's the man, the myth, the legend. And it was, it was great to like see all that confirmed and see where that came from. Because the it came from a guy that was kind of a loner child mm-hmm. that loved to ride the subways alone, a great, a, a, a the consummate observer, mm-hmm. and and that is what a great actor makes. Honestly, like if you can be incredible, uh, incredibly like tuned in to the people around you and able to just sit and soak in the people around you, like that's such a huge tool. I think when it comes into playing different roles and stuff. Not that Keanu has the biggest, greatest range or anything like that, but still, it, it, it was fascinating. I think sometimes a, show, uh, 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 episode topic, it's like the funnest part, the be- most enjoyable part is just consuming the media. Mm-hmm. And for that, uh, I have to give a nod to Gravity Falls, which I had known was going to be great. Totally paid off when we got into the episode and had this very distinctive, though, feeling for uh, instilled in me of, man, I can't wait for Winnie to get a little bit older yeah. so we can enjoy this together. So it's an incredible I, it made mix. me very excited for the future. Like it, it was very cool. It's like 33 percent uh, adventure time, 33 percent uh, like classic Simpsons episode and then 33% Twin Peaks. It's like everything about it, just the mystery, the humor, the voice acting, the animation. They really like, I. it's amazing it made its way out the door that they even allowed it to happen. I also, when it comes to enjoying the media, one that, uh, you know, sometimes, a lot of times we do episodes and then whatever we were consuming that week for the episode topic, we immediately leave it behind and walk away, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have stuff and go, shit, I think I'm going to keep reading this. And that was the case for uh, X Holic and our Clamp episode. Clamp, Clamp really surprised me at how much I enjoyed like the actual work. And it was the, pro- the, the situation, you know, it gets a little boring after a while, right? Like in terms of covering mangaka, because mm. a lot of times they have a very similar story. They're this weird loner that... I uh, used to draw you know, in school. Then uh, I applied for an assistant job. Or I won a then contest. Then I won the yeah. Tezuka Award. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, they're just this... And, and there's not a lot about them because uh, they're, they're these, like, rebellious loners. And in Japan, the culture is, like, if you're a big, successful mangaka, like, it's not cool to be, like, a star, like, like it is here. Yeah. You know, here we want... Here we want your tequila brand. We want your. We need. You know. We want your Instagram stories. Like we need everything. We need it all to be like in our face at all times. That's what's expected if you become famous or or beloved for your work or whatever. But but it's so different. More more specifically, your your creation is so valuable that like anything about you personally is just a liability. So like the editors, the the money people are like. We don't want to know shit about you. You just keep churning out those fighting children and we will make money off of it. Yeah. So so this was very interesting to have it be this like team of ladies that collaborate in this very special way. It's incredibly unique in a field that is pretty like, you know, formulaic, Mm -hmm. I would say, in terms of creation process. And then the work also really stood on its own. And it's so dynamic. All of their different mangas, like X-Holic is so different from you know, uh, the, what's the magical girl one or a uh, card capture or, uh, what, and what's the apocalyptic nightmare one X 1999. Yeah. Like, like it's all so sorry, by the way, I have the worst memory for names and oh, no, titles. No. I literally went and like, uh, did an hour of just quick Googling to make sure I remembered the names of certain people. Cause otherwise this would have been an hour of us being like, Oh, but it was so crazy when the guy did the that thing, you know, when he did the 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 thing with the business guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It would have been really vague because a, a lot of time, you know, there's a lot of topics that we do our best. We try and uh, research, and we have a fun time recording, and then all of that information just 
empties out of my body yeah. like piss and sweat. Yeah, and it's always fun. And, and we kind of have a different category we want to talk about of, of, and maybe this one fits more into that, of of episodes that invade your life. I'm looking at you, Rubik's Cube, but we'll get there. And we want to talk about, yeah. we're skipping Monopoly for now because we want to talk about mind-blowing episodes oh, to research yeah. uh, as its own category. But we're still doing for fun manga, to research. Yeah. For fun research, uh, the Bleach episode and the Jujutsu Kaisen episode, uh-huh. both similar. We talked about the parallels between the two series and how one is clearly inspired by the other, but just uh, getting to have fun with uh, just get catching up with the mangas, catching up with both of the uh, new seasons of Bleach and Jujutsu Kaisen. Sorry, Mappa animators. I'm sorry they literally threw you in a hole and stuck you <laughs> with spears every day until you bled out to fall asleep. Not a fan. Dude, I wish they didn't do did that. Did you see? I saw this video on Twitter. I need, I should have sent it to you of Megan the Stallion ranking her favorite anime, uh-huh. and it's Hunter Hunter Jujutsu Kaisen. Like it's so. It's I was like my jaw dropped. I fucking was so impressed with her like <laughs> amazing anime knowledge. It was she was like, oh man. I think he. I think the interviewer was like, can you rank these five anime? And he like lists names like Jujutsu Kaisen, Hunter Hunter, and like three others. Just like, oh fuck, that's hard, man. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, those are all the good. Those are the best. I think you said Naruto, mm. and uh, you know, and it's 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 awesome. It's just so cool. So there's just, I mean, anime is is never been a bigger deal. Like the newest episodes of Jujutsu Kaisen, like in the manga, the the kind of discussion pages uh, lately have like always been hitting the Reddit front page. Uh, you know, like episode or, or uh, volume, you know, manga issue discussions. Oh, no, the spoiler discourse, man. I'm glad. I'm glad I actually like read the Shibuya arc before this season actually happened. Yeah. So much shit would have been ruined for me ahead of time if I had just relied on the Internet to be cool about. So it. for me personally, um, I also, though, I do have to say. This really falls under both because we're also going to talk about the most fun episodes to uh, record and the most, uh, you know, the ones we really felt the best about. This is kind of a double double edged sword for me. Um, I don't know if that's the right uh, uh, metaphor to use, but I I thought it was both a great episode. We had an awesome guest and doing the research. I had so much fun. Oh, if you're going to say this. Insane Clown Posse. Finally. It finally happened. And I was wondering how it was going to go down with our guest. We got like a true blue, humble among, you know, still at it, juggalo content creator who's definitely still at it, and definitely check his stuff out on his YouTube. I think he's putting on out like a proper documentary even about the gathering. But he has these great, great like raw footage of gatherings from like the past several years, and it's just fascinating you think you're not going to get sucked in Mm -hmm. you will put that thing on and you will just get lost in it and uh uh, that alongside you know going back through the discography you know rekindling my love for icp (laughs) as more than just like a thing i quote to people to annoy them like but actually realizing like no i got like mad juggalo love like i love their style I love how over the top their approach to hip hop is and that they're still doing it. They seem like genuinely decent people and like, you know, they've gone through, you know, sobriety and rehab and, you know, the, the, the way they have cultivated their fan base as a person who's trying to cultivate his own fan base and, you know, is downright inspiring. Absolutely. Just through and through. I had a blast on every level of this one. You know, I particularly loved finally going into a deep dive about like the Joker cards, the yes, lore, the dark all carnival. The lore. Yeah, April, you got to play it. I, I'm sorry, it was one of the most amazing moments of my adult life. Listening to thy unveiling when they make the grand reveal of what it's been all about all along. Yes, it's so good. April, please, please, I beg of you. Fucking action figures, bitch! I don't give a fuck. It ain't about filing J or Shaggy. Butterfly or 17 When we speak of Shangri-La What you think we mean Truth is we follow God We've always been behind us The carnival is God in May Also April hey! Yeah. <laughs>
There you go. Got it in early, Jake. I, d- I don't appreciate. I did not appreciate those moments. Those are the moments that I wish. Well, we're not talking about the moments we don't appreciate, Jake. We're talking. <laughs> uh, what else? What else do I want to talk about here? I mean, let's talk about guests for a second, I guess. Because uh, immediately Jordan Olds with, for Meta- Metalocalypse and Ed Larson on Little mm-hmm. Mermaid. That's the only reason why I bring it up. Uh, I just saw those back to back. Well, I mean, for me, the 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 crown, like one of the most uh, pie in the sky guests we had was Paul Rugg. Yes. The voice and semi creator, semi head writer of Freakazoid. Uh, also a great episode to research because it was so amazing to see how that show held up. Especially because it was so formative for me. Man, you dragged me kicking and screaming into doing that episode. It ended up being one of the highlights of the year. Absolutely. Not only was the content really fun to consume, but our guest was such a great get and so so fascinating to really talk to somebody who, you know, and the funny thing is with Freakazoid is like to tell the story of Freakazoid is also to tell the story a little bit of Animaniacs. Mm-hmm. And th- that's a show. And I- Batman, the animated series, which this show was kind of this clusterfuck last minute piecemeal combination of both shows. Yeah. And it's so good and so special. And I'm always endlessly fascinated by works of of children's programming that like have a bunch of crazy references to <laughs> shit kids would have no idea. You know, I just love shit like that. I think it's always fun. It's it and it's so it's it's so special because it it completely changes how you how you view it you know uh years and years later in your life you know mm-hmm. i mean you could almost say the same for far side that and how it's timeless and but without the you know pop culture references as much but yeah i that was such a good one and yeah probably that was that you you're right actually that's probably guest of the year right there that was that was a great one but shout out to our disney expert uh ed it was great to sit down with him and natalie for the uh, Universal episode. Oh, yeah, that was really great. And also, though, talk about fun to research. Like, this is one of the first times the perks of my job actually got me a free pass to go to Nintendo Land and and enjoy the shit out of that uh, on, um, on a, a free day. And that was so special and cool to get to be like, yeah, content, <laughs> you know? Sometimes there's perks, and we got to talk about that. All right, but let's get back to... Um, Fun to research episodes. Uh, I'm trying to scroll through here. Uh, definitely Tenacious D Ooh. for many. We, we kind of finally started dipping our toe into our comedy nerd mm-hmm. side of this year. We did Kids in the Hall. We did Tenacious D. So that's going to have a different weird nostalgia for me because it starts to kind of speak towards me being inspired to go do comedy in New York and stuff like that. And you know, gets me thinking a lot about my murder fist years and all that kind of stuff when I'm doing this kind of research. But I had never, I had always been like an, a, a comedy nerd fan adjacent of Tenacious D. I'd never like gone down the Tenacious D rabbit hole as hard as, yeah. you know, I had a lot of friends who were huge Tenacious D fans, but like I had never fully given in and like listened to everything and watched everything. And so it was, it was like, it was time. Like it was like a, a hole in my comedy nerddom that I finally filled. Uh, I mean, that one definitely haunted me a little bit because yeah. the, the, the drama of, you know, Hollywood Jack and the rage cage was something that as a casual fan, I really wasn't aware of. Right. And that tenacious D documentary, which, I still have to insist people watch if they've even if they've ever even just like rocked out to uh, tribute, if they just literally just if there's a part of their body that like just still hums fucker gently in like moments of quietude, you have to check it out because it really covers this incredibly dark time when they are just like working themselves to the bone to promote this movie. It flops phenomenally and they're still just like. Having to do these shows, they're like transitioning to a lot of different things. Uh, Kyle Gage is being left kind of in the shadows. And that all culminates when he's like they threaten to bump him off uh, the Letterman show because like they don't care about him. He's disposable and he has to like confront that. It really just kind of 
you know, it's it's a real uh, behind the laughter, the tears of a clown yeah. kind of shit. We had a lot of that this year. We actually had a few of those this year. Cause also, Kids in the Hall, very much like that, learning about their struggles, making brain candy, mm-hmm. how the group Another really splintered. That, uh, well, brain candy, I think, is a much stronger and funnier film than Pick a Destiny when all is said and done. But Honestly, dude, it's a sh- real crying shame that brain candy doesn't get more love today. Like, I, I still feel like it's owed more of its of a do like re rewatching it with you in the study group. Um, if you're not aware, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew every uh, $15 a month, you can join us on our Sunday study session. We uh cover you know that week we watched uh Brain Candy together, and I was floored by how much people were loving it. How much I remember, how many lines I know from it. It's such a touchstone for my comedy nerd background. And it's something that so many people have not gotten to enjoy for many reasons. For for the inclusion of Cancer Boy, which kept the studios from properly releasing it in the theaters. For the fact that the entire group seemed to kind of hate it also because it was this tragic making of yeah dave was fucking literally contractually at the end of a gun and wanted nothing to do with the thing yeah like it was a nightmare yeah just just awful but but the actual movie is still so brilliant i think everybody shines in it for the most part and you know the characters are are great and just yeah it's 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 a wonderful thing, and and the kids in the hall are a wonderful thing, and then the other one I was going to lump into that little like trifecta, actually Guar mm. again, this really successful, interesting DIY uh, music art group that totally got in their own way uh, <laughs> eventually with because of artistic integrity and, and and you know being able to really track it and really be like wow this is like. This is really, you can see the splintering of their career and like where they could have gone versus where they went. It answered the question, how can a band that literally everybody has heard of still not result in happiness and success for the people involved? And uh, the unlikely series of events that led to its creation, uh, just like listening to the albums and so much just like, oh God, the... uh, what was what what was the name of the mo- watching their movies was uh-huh. insane totally insane there's a turning point where they were like uh, they signed with what warner bros or it was yeah through a series of deals they ended up like under the warner brothers umbrella and they um you know then warner brothers was like hey we'll release your album but you have to take out this baby fuck song and they were like no <laughs> the baby fuck song stays we're artists and it was like man i don't know maybe you guys should the song is not, it's not terrible. Worth it. it was so not worth it's it but awful. i would have done the same in murder fist i would have absolutely done the same in fact i remember we did didn't sign on to it was it wouldn't have done much for us anyway in hindsight but i look looking back i was like we should never have done that we should have taken the deal we were going to be able to release our sketches via comedy central's like adam i think it was called or something there like website yeah back when everybody was trying to have a comedy website like funny or die and theirs failed college humor yeah yeah. but we almost like signed a deal to like get pizzate a little bit of money and and get our stuff released but we were like they were like but we'd own it and then we were like no we're not going to do that. And in hindsight, it's like, just fucking, why didn't we just... You can write more sketches. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we could have just written more sketches, guys. Um, but anyways, that was uh, that was uh, very interesting. Like, Guar kind of is uh, runs parallel a little bit or almost perpendicular to ICP and how they managed to thrive off of their DIY audience thing hustle thing. Not only thrive on the, the DIY hustle, absolutely, but also... Making a niche of like literally honing in on what is the exact antithesis of the status quo. Yeah. What is the uh, cartoonish, exaggerated form of what a Midwestern Christian mom thinks uh, either heavy metal or in ICP's case, rap is about. And just being like, yes, no, our rap songs actually are about getting fucked up and chopping people's heads off. Or in Guar's case, we're actually about worshiping Satan and shooting alien jizz on babies. Like, <laughs> it's, it's it's an incredible thing. And by just creating this, this um, almost aesthetic barrier, only the most truly, I don't want to say lost, but like 
the the orphaned souls of this world finding a community there, finding this like well, the status quo has rejected me yeah. in a lot of ways. Even the even the even the rebellious the punk scenes. I'm the reject of the rejects. Yeah, yeah. Like the the straight edge punk scenes also rejecting me. The like underground movement. So I'm the underground of the underground. Like it's it's great. That stuff is so so interesting. So I feel like that covers the fun bits. Uh, I think now we got to do like invasive, mind blowing. The yeah. kind of the ones that like haunted us a little when you think about it. I'll give one more nod to it was just more interesting. It wasn't my mind blown. I was going to bring up one more episode and that episode is the Saw franchise episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to throw that in uh, invasive mind blowing, okay, but yeah, let's talk go. about Let it. Let us start off with that because it was it, was, it didn't like blow my mind, but I was pleasantly surprised by the story. I did not think it was going to be it was like a two-prong thing uh, in, thing of interest. One, we, we already kind of knew, but it was fun to dive into, which is just like the second part of the story where they just like turned it into this repetitive like machine, money-making machine, right? Yeah. And just this very cynical part of the story. But learning the mechanics of why that happened and yeah. how it was really the production company's only solid hit and how they desperately, and how society itself kind of needed uh, someone's a a just placeholder horror franchise for branded escape rooms and like uh, hot topic T-shirts, and they were more than willing to fill that role, even though the original movie by James Wan, uh, just absolutely like was not the basis for a franchise, no. and yet the way they I we went into it in the episode, but like how every sequel used all these callbacks and like minor stylistic uh choices as like franchise uh 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 cliches to the point of ludicrousness the secret tapes the spooky reveal music at the end the catchphrase game over like it all just created this convoluted mess which also gave lots of practical effects artists and prosthetic makers an excuse to make some cool trap kills totally Totally. But it's like the the way that this moment of gumption and creativity that created the first movie gave way to this like shambling homunculus of a movie franchise. For sure. So fascinating. But it was definitely really I love a story like this where it's like two scrappy dudes coming out of college is their first movie and it's a hit and you know, and then n- not realizing how many movies James Wan has made that I absolutely love, mm-hmm. just absolutely love Insidious, um, uh, The Conjuring. Like, I did not realize how su- Aquaman, Aquaman. I did not realize how successful this guy was until I saw his IMDb and I was like, oh, shit, I'm like a James Wan <laughs> fan. I'm like a big one. I'm a one one a night or whatever you want to call me. A wanderer, I believe, is what they call themselves. That's the a wanderer for sure. For sure. So let's do mind blowing and i think we can also do kind of like the stuff i i'll go back to my clamp we'll call it clamp presents the stuff that kind of invaded your mm-hmm. like the stuff that you ended up sticking with a little bit you know like for example i'm fucking loving super mario rpg right now yeah. like absolutely loving it one of my favorite games uh of this year it made my list of top four remakes of 2023 as well. But uh, yeah, mind blowing. We got to start obviously at the early earlier in the year with Monopoly. I mean, that was just one of the great. Like, if there was ever to be a Barbie spiritual sequel, it needs to be Monopoly because Monopoly is another just absolute cultural touchstone that could definitely be turned into a really really fascinating film in the in the same way. The fact. I feel like, uh, oh, God, there's so many. Th- this episode, Monopoly really shook me to my core. Monopoly yeah. opened doors that I didn't realize were even closed. And there's so, first of all, uh, Monopoly's role as the Ur board game uh, and how it, like, has taken over the entire board game industry and how it is just the default, like, how it became in every American and global family's household is fascinating and the unique parts of like what made it different from previous board games, such as the fact that like, you're not just passively uh, rolling the dice, you're making deals, you're talking to people, you're engaging with each other. You're actively talking out strategy, which was very much for, you know, this before that it was snakes and ladders and Parcheesi Uh and backgammon. 
was an incredibly innovative thing. Um, the story of Lizzie McGuire and the yeah. landlord's game and how that's the wild, like ironic, crazy. Just, I don't even know. Just the story of the dark side of America, right? Jake? Um, how corporations will build a lie to preserve their own uh, to, as a means to an end and how the true story will kind of fall by the wayside. Or if it ever does get out, it'll be far too late for any true justice to happen. Um, and then just philosophically, socioculturally, the ways that Monopoly reflects our current late capitalist system is was just it just it's such a perfect metaphor because the original landlord's game was meant to point out that early land enclosure <laughs> benefits, which is pretty much blind luck. It is literally you roll the dice and if you land on a good piece chunk of the earth. You can like hold on to that, accumulate wealth, and naturally that will result in one person being a trillionaire and everyone else being destitute around them. That was the point of the system as originally laid out. It made its way as a folk game and that um, the game itself became famous for the just the ability to play with wealth during the Great Depression and then what really blew my mind, what really like stuck with me was following uh, the, prof the not professional, but championship Monopoly players and learning about their strategies. And it turns out at the end of the day, even with all the commercialization, even with rich uncle penny bags, even with uh, millennial Monopoly and psycho Monopoly and Monopoly Plus and all the different iterations that happen, the true game of Monopoly is about rolling the dice, hoping that you get a good roll and landing on valuable properties and then lying to the people at the table with you and basically browbeating and psychologically manipulating them into accepting a bad deal that will only benefit you. And so it is the to win at Monopoly is essentially chance and being a shithead. And that is capitalism. <laughs> like, yes. And we all play this game. And the joke is that it makes families scream at each other and hate each other, too. It, it's, it's, a, it's an insidious thing that causes nothing but, like, bad feelings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's the most fucking popular board game in the country. Like, it's just, it's so weird. It's such a weird thing. And it's one of those things that you just would never once re-examine. Right. You would never, it's just Monopoly. It's just it's always just been there. It's just a thing on a shelf. And the, the idea that, like, the fact that it has this, like, incredibly cynical capitalist origin story is so... So good. It's such a juicy one. And I had no idea. I mean, right. We were just like, ah, fuck it. Let's do it. I don't know yeah. how, why we even decided to do Monopoly. Because uh, board games. We never games. did a board yeah, we game. Come, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we were like, what ah, other we don't board, game board games is yeah. there? If you were going to do a board game, we'll do Monopoly. Right. And it just ended up being this fucking, I love a rabbit hole like this. Um, I think another one for me that was a total rabbit hole that was so shockingly fun to get lost in and research was the G4 episode. Oh my God. I still think <laughs> when I, when we made the revelation that the guy responsible for the failed reboot, the recent reboot, Tucker Roberts was literally the son of the CEO of Comcast, just uh -huh. the ultimate Nepo baby with his, uh, uh, what was it like uh, the Galactic Empire themed evil office? Yes, and that the whole thing got the ball rolling as soon as he broke up with Olivia Munn. Yes, is such a so... psychotic thing. And then, like, even the 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 what the channel was before all of that, before the attempted <laughs> uh, the attempt to bring it back, was also so fascinating to remember TV culture at that time. Gamer, it like tells the story of the evolution of gamer culture in America because it used to be such a like immature, you know, it's kind of makes sense. It's like, I can't stop thinking about the show where they like forced a bunch of either studio interns or randos that they picked up at a GameStop to like do gamer challenges where they had to like beat games, but then they had to do it after eating like, eight chicken pot pies a piece. So they're right. just like puking and like crying. Or it's just like, I'm wearing a Darth Vader helmet, but also a bikini and I'm going to do a car. You know what I mean? It yeah. was just like, 
this bizarre kind of sexualization. It was, I think it was essentially because at that point in video game, like now, you know, we've also done episodes like Last of Us and God of War, because, and, and we talk about how like everybody became dads by this point mm-hmm. in gamer culture. Like everybody's becoming parents mm-hmm. and like how that changed the way stories were made in gaming and, and received in gaming. At this point, it was like pure teenager horny weirdness. Uh, libidinal id done with no budget. Yes. So, the, so like the solutions they came up with are through modern eyes uh alienating and horrifying so weird and like would never fly today like people would immediately shit all over what that was just showing hours of contextless anime game and then in the modern age you have this this person stand up for women in gaming and in gaming media and like make this kind of big statement on the show and then be totally like fucked by that mm. also tells another story. It just kept spitting out interesting story points yeah. that that was just so fun. And again, talking about an episode, I was like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like, is this really going to be enough, uh, you know, to go on? Like, are, are, are we really going to get enough out of this? And it just ended up being a Pandora's box of like the history of gamer culture, the history of cable television, uh, you know, what, how cable television attempted to exist in the modern age and fail the, the story of a massive fun, the, I would say, ultimate Nepo baby story, mm-hmm. which at the time was like one of the biggest like talking points at that exact time was Nepo baby shit, mm-hmm. right? Like that kind of happened this year. People got all into that. So yeah, I just, I was very, very thrilled uh, by what I found in researching that one. I want to touch on this one just a little bit because uh, I don't think that it definitely isn't as deep of a well of some of the other episodes, but it's worth mentioning for me, our Respawn Entertainment episode that actually became a kind of like idiot's guide to the history of the modern military first-person shooter. The fact that like it was Steven Spielberg watching his son play Goldeneye and saying like, that's bullshit. Why aren't you playing games about the real heroes? My uh-huh. grandfather who fought in World War II or my father, I guess. I, yeah, my dad who fought in World War II creating the Medal of Honor franchise, leading into the Call of Duty franchise, leading into Titanfall, leading into Apex Legends. I still play Apex now. I still watch Apex Legends streamers. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm aping. I'm aping into zone. <laughs> I, I don't care, man. I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. The, uh, they should nerf the uh, Sentinel. Sentinel OP. There. See, I'm, I'm hip. I'm with it. <laughs> Besides maybe Monopoly, I think the the number one, if we were to rank these, this would probably make our top. Definitely gonna have to go with Barbie. Yeah. With uh with wonderful flesh wife Marie. Uh it was all all everything. We had the perfect guest, in my opinion. Uh we had the the research was so interesting. It had everything and it invaded my life. Like I dressed up in pink and I went and saw that movie and like had this experience with a bunch of mostly women in the theater and like it all came full circle and uh, the movie totally spit back at me yeah, out the- <laughs> back at me like everything I was researching and like I had all this insider knowledge that that made it so special and such a fun experience for me all told like the whole thing just was perfect it was weird how our touch points on the research basically matched one to one with the movies like little call out point like yeah. pregnant midge uh glitter and gold like ken all this shit it it all ken's like- whole like ken's whole relationship to barbie being mm-hmm. this like kind of personality-less arm candy and like how they handled that in the movie was so perfect. I'm just Ken, which is like the one of my favorite songs of this year, you know? Like, it's just so great. I, like, I can't about- swim. I'm just good at beach. Like, I knew the movie like, was so going to be somewhat of a hit, but I don't think we were really even would have predicted how big of a deal that movie was um, in the summer. The whole Barbenheimer thing. It just it was one of those like zeitgeisty things that was actually paid off in terms of what the story of it was in the research. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we'll do a zeitgeisty thing and, and because, you know, for the sake of, we hey, called it the Whisbrew curse at certain sometimes, points. Sometimes we'll yeah. do a topical episode in anticipation of something coming out and, and then. then 
Turns out the thing just fucking Isn't flops. that good? And then on the other side, sometimes when you're like being like, oh, we should do an episode on this because it's coming out, we find that it's not that interesting, you know, like in terms of its background and everything. Depends. Sometimes. I mean, that, 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 you can say that for any episode we decide to do, but... But still, like, Barbie just was, like, every, all ends of it was great. Like, doing the episode felt really good. Researching it was, like, such a cool rabbit hole. So interesting. Such an interesting cultural discussion. And then to see it co- come to fruition with the release of Barbie and and Greta Gerwig having the v- exact same feelings, I feel like, we had in the research of it in terms of the cultural, fa- you know, importance of what this thing has been throughout time and and what it's meant to the American girl and the American mom and that was the probably the most mind-blowing one was how much they also address how important it is not just to the little girl but to the mom mm-hmm. and the relationship between mother and daughter and they we talked about that a lot especially because of Marie on the episode you know really I, I owe it to her for bringing that up and really getting into that and then like that was the like massive plot point mm-hmm. of the Barbie movie like massive aspect of the Barbie movie that they address and it just was so cool and like I I, I can't wait to watch that movie again it, it's now on streaming and it was one of the only movies I've seen lately that I was like I'm definitely watching that again that was just really really strong so shout outs big shout outs what else do we got? I think those might be... Is there anything else? I was going to say, uh, but but it's more in doing the episode. The like one-two punch of Aragon and Percy Jackson was interesting. I, what, that was interesting. Uh, I, just kind of fascinating uh, just to be out of my element because these are both franchises that definitely came into being after I was well outside of the... Not that I don't dabble in cl- media clearly meant for children all the time. But uh, definitely its cultural moment missed me at that point in my uh, development and getting to uh, getting to read and watch the movies and engage with the fandom for these very passionate uh, Gen Z touchstones was was at the very least engaging and interesting. Yeah, for sure. Also uncovering that the Aragon's parents, Guy's parents, were definitely part of an apocalyptic cult that was collapsing around them while he was growing up was, (laughs) you know, neat. I guess, I don't know how to feel about this one, but it was definitely fascinating to research and record with you specifically, Jake, the Ralph Bakshi episode. Oh, was that this year? Oh, no, it was December. I went too far back. Oh, my bad. I went a little too far back. You're right. It was the end of last year. But that was Wait, what about it? I barely remember that one. Besides Cool World being a fucking You had a lot of feelings about his animation approach mm. and like what what it what that whole thing what yeah, just how weird his stuff is, how DIY it was mixed with like the argument around whether the quality of it, mm. you know? I just thought it was very fascinating. But it was last year, so uh, never mind. Forget I said anything. One more mind blower that I want to touch on is the Renaissance Fair episode Mm. because it's definitely uh, another story that delves into the counterculture, delves into uh, its long, you know, its influences in rock and roll, in the psychedelic movement, in hippie culture, and then how it kind of grew and evolved into this like bizarre, I want to say outlet for our feelings of violence and gluttony and horniness that is still accepted as family-friendly entertainment, that it's one of these few places that's still just a little bit lawless, just a little bit magical, and how it's held together by, like, the blood, sweat, and tears of the volunteers and fans that make it possible. I thought that was that was another topic that kind of unveiled more than we think it would going into it that week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, all right, let's talk about the episodes that invaded our worlds. Uh, Clamp presents the episodes that invaded. Really, it should be Rubik's Cube presents. <laughs> I'm I'm fucking with a Rubik's Cube right now. I'm about to do my first speed cubing stream on Monday. I am like, I I never knew how to solve a Rubik's Cube. Solving one for the first time was a revelation. It feels so weird and powerful the first time you click that last little piece into place and it's sitting in your hands solved. And then then there's a round two of that when you do it 
on your own without any uh, reference material mm -hmm. to solve it, which I managed to do on an airplane during uh, going out to one of our tour dates. And I, that was this amazing feeling of like, I can now solve a Rubik's Cube without any help from the internet or any anything, you know. A little pamphlet that came with the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> I don't need any help. I can just sit here and solve this thing all day long. And I have been. And then I got my Speed Cube little timer strip thing. And I'm I'm off to the races. And now it's just. No, this, like, it has become a problem in your professional and social life. Yes. That you are just sometimes just clicky clacking. Yes. You had, a, you had one. I remember during the uh, Beach Blanket Bingo. You've had one at meetings. Yep. You've had one. Uh, yeah, no. It's it's a constant companion for you now. Yeah, it's it's my companion cube exactly. Shout out to our portal episode this year, but yeah, I it just completely has invaded. I mean, more so than anything else, but maybe more so than any other thing. It's like my Nerf gun <laughs> to uh, you know for if it's if it comes to Jake, you know, like it just totally changed my my deal in a way that like I don't think any other episode has. So shout outs to the Rubik's cube episode. One of my favorite episodes to do. One of my favorite uh, episodes for for something just completely taking me over and and being like such a big part of my uh, my world. Do you have anything like that from this year, Jake? Um, honestly, uh, I have eased off on my cube obsession since uh, we did the episode. Things that have stuck with me definitely the uh, manga and anime that we've covered. I still keep up with Chainsaw Man, Jujutsu Kaisen, Bleach. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild episode was a great precursor for the fact that uh, Tears of a Kingdom became just months of my life, just playing hours and hours that's, of it. That's the other one I was going to bring up. It was going to be inevitable that I would get really into Tears of a Kingdom, but still, we did a whole but last episode on Breath of the Wild. about the creative process, when you, like, yes. the feeling of appreciation when you do hit upon, like, a novel little area out in the middle of nowhere that you wouldn't think has anything and knowing the process that like all these people collaborating together to fill this land with little like waypoints and highlights and puzzles was extremely uh, gratifying when playing tears of a kingdom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I completely agreed. I guess uh, the only other one I would say is uh, the only other category that we've already kind of touched on was just like, your favorite episodes uh, that you've done or what, what you think was kind of our top tier work for this year in terms of the product, the episode you had the most fun recording or feel like was some of our best work. I mean, I definitely think Monopoly is in there and G4 is in there. We've already talked about them. I think those came out really, really well. I want to give a special shout out. I think we had some of the most fun Doing the Super Mario Bros. the movie, oh yeah, uh, 1993, just a crazy movie. story of yeah. of Hollywood weirdos, uh, eccentric creatives, and very beleaguered actors all just like flailing around <laughs> for the amusement of eight year olds. Totally. I mean, shout outs again to Jordan Olds. I think the Metalocalypse episode came out really well. Uh, for sure. I thought that was a very good one. I think you did some great work on the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse episode. You were really able to like break down in a, in a gr really interesting way, like why the animation in that uh, movie is so special. Oh. And, you know, from an animator, kind of from a person who has like some background in a little bit of, you know, animation and, and illustration stuff. I think you were like good at like kind of receiving that, uh, information and like laying it out in a way that was was compelling and and uh, strong. So that was good stuff. I had a yeah. lot of fun with you doing the Percy Jackson episode. Yeah. I know that's a very recent one, but I definitely walked away from that one being like, oh, that was actually fun. I had fun uh, talking to you about that. I think that was the episode you went into dreading mm -hmm. and then it ended up being like way more. And, and that often happens. I think, you know, not not that you go into an episode dreading it. That that doesn't often happen. But when it does happen, I feel like we usually walk away pleasantly surprised because we're able to like let it all hang out a little bit more, just be a little more loose about it. We, I think we felt a little similar going into the Hot Wheels episode and then walked away from that one with a good feeling, you know, where it was like, yeah, but sometimes when it's like, ugh, I don't really, I can't really hang my hat on on um, maybe a, the most compelling story points. It almost frees us to just be fun mm. and and tell the story, but just like be silly. You uh, know? Universal Studios was also with our guests, Natalie uh -huh. and Ed, uh, was really nice because that story, 
you know, the parks were a complete disaster when they first opened. Right. Uh, the big larger than life personalities all uh, trying to make this thing work. And then just like how it cemented itself as a modern entertainment destination uh, was a genuinely fun time. Totally. Yeah, it was good. All right. Uh, well, now that we patted ourselves in the back enough, well, let's talk about what we're interested in doing in the future. I have a big one. Uh, this is a look forward now. Uh, a little quick lick, look forward, lick forward. We've got some stuff uh, maybe on the zeitgeist. I saw a couple things pop up that we could do. But before that, I want to do my personal one. And this one's popped up more recently for me. And I feel very passionate about it. And I think it's the kind of thing like... I don't know. I don't know if it'll be the biggest. It won't be a, like a Skyrim numbers episode per se, <laughs> which actually people said we should go back and redo too. It's our like biggest numbers episode, but we were so fresh back then that we could probably give it better treatment. I think our biggest one ever was um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, racist New England uh, Cthulhu man. Oh yeah, Lovecraft really was our biggest yeah. one. That's Lovecraft crazy. did really big. So we I, should do more like horror shit, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean. There's always October. Uh, but the one I really want to do, um, it kind of goes along with another episode I've wanted to do for a long time that maybe we should also get done this year. I've always wanted to do a speedrunner community episode, oh. like an AGDQ. But I want to add to that. I really, really want to do a Kaizo Mario episode. All right. I think it'll right. be so interesting. I think it'll just be real, you know, and, and that kind of goes along. Maybe we need to, we could even make a month out of this because I'd also love to do, well, we know we did a Twitch episode. Never mind. I was like, oh, we should also do like live streaming, uh, but we've done that. But yeah, so Kaizo, I think we could actually get some, maybe a, a Grand Pooh Bear or Barb interview or even, you know, or Noble Tofu or it, one of those guys. I feel like we get one of those guys to sit down and talk with us into a microphone about the history of it. Um, but I, I just, that's a personal one for me. I'm fascinated by the Kaizo Mario community. I just think it's so cool. And I would really, really love to do a Kaizo. And someone else recently was like, you should definitely do an episode on that. Like, that would be so interesting to get into these like niche gamer kind of communities I think would be really cool. Is there anything you got a burning hot passion to do, Jake? Or or is it more uh we got more more zeitgeisty? <sighs> Did we ever do a Mad Max episode? Because there's that uh Furiosa. I movie. saw Furiosa coming and I don't know that we did. And I was that was gonna be my one of my big ones to suggest for Zeitgeist. Um oh God, have we, we we've done this so long. <laughs> no, okay. There, it's, no, we didn't. We didn't. We do haven't one. done one. All right. So I would definitely be interested in a Mad Max episode. I'm glad you said that, because that was definitely one that I was Fascinating on. Oh, uh, Beetlejuice 2 is coming out this year. I would totally do a Beetlejuice episode. Oh, absolutely. That would be great. Absolutely. I mean, we've done. We've, d- we've done a lot of Tim. We've we've walked down the Tim Burton path before. But. but to hone in on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, to me, I think it's his most special work, personally. And maybe to hone in on it as the sequel is coming out would be pretty interesting. Uh, also, I definitely want to do with Tekken 8 coming out. We've already talked about it. I definitely want to do a Tekken episode. Hell uh, yeah. Yeah. That's Tekken 8's coming out January 26th, by the way. So we got to do it early. All right. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, oh, that Suicide Squad game is coming out. Should we do that? I was like, oh, wait, we totally did a Suicide Squad episode. But I'm very interested to see how that game happens. Is It did not get a good reaction. Okay. So here's the thing. We did do a uh, Suicide Squad episode, which I thought was a really good one, but we've never done a uh, developer look at Rocksteady, the company that made the Arkham games that is making uh, the Suicide Squad game. However, the chances are that the Suicide Squad game is going to be a absolute boondoggle because uh, Warner Brothers Interactive has been not shy about how much they're going to poison this thing with fucking uh, live service bullshit. Well, I always say the stuff that fails can be just as interesting as the stuff that succeeds, depending on, you know, the story behind it. I mean, I definitely love our Telltale episodes, one of my favorite episodes we did. Wolf Among Us apparently is supposed to come out, by the way. Wolf Among Us 2. Um, What else? Uh, I I have to get this out, out there. Two episodes that people constantly point to to be like, you guys really need to go back and like, redo these or do these proper and that's going to be Batman 
and Simpsons. Mm. We did like the early, I think we did the beginning of the Simpsons and we did the weird side of Batman. Ah. I think especially Batman more than anything. I think we need to like actually do maybe even a two-parter. This is Jakey content talking again. People do not click on part twos. People really true. Like they always know. Well, it should be, but we haven't done a part one. We did a weird side of Batman. Like we haven't told the story of Batman. All we did was like talk about it was back in the early days when we didn't know what the show fully was. I would do one Batman run. I would do Batman like Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, Batman uh, uh, the Nightfall. I would love to do an episode on when Bane broke the bat. That would be fascinating. Yeah. But the idea of, honestly, I one of my least favorite research times is when we do a character like um, The Flash or Green Lantern or Judge Dredd. Yeah. Someone that has all these decades of lore that we have to just cram into an hour-ish of podcasts, and it's just, it's just so fucking much material to get through. All right. What if I, how about this? Bat Month. We do the... Early history, mm-hmm. and then we pick like three different like arcs or Ooh. or elements of Batman. Like we could even do like a film adaptation episode yeah, yeah, yeah. if we want to break out of just the comics. But I say we do Bat Month, maybe like middle of the summer, something like that, or or pick a month when things are a little slower, zeitgeist wise. And and uh, and and I like the idea of doing themed months. We were also talking about doing a Comedy Central month mm-hmm. uh, and doing ju- just Comedy Central centric episodes. I think we're going to do that early in the year. So maybe maybe this is the year of the themed month Ooh. actually, which would be interesting. That's something we gotta. That's something we can chew on over the holiday break. Yes, I think that's definitely something to think about. This is, by the way, this is like raw ha- concept <laughs> happening live on recording. We have not talked about this at all. I think that would be really interesting and would get. And honestly, a Simpsons month would also mm. be like a great idea because there's again, I don't want like one episode on the Simpsons would be really challenging. One episode right? for each decade of Simpsons that's been on the yeah. fucking crust. But you could do the movie, the the second movie. Apparently there's a second movie in the works. Wow. You could do, you know, you could literally just take, I mean like, oh, you could do a Treehouse of Horror mm-hmm. episode. You could do, you know, the, a voice actor. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You could do it so many different ways. All we've done is the early history of the Simpsons. So that's Oh, we covered. finally get to talk about Nancy Cartwright's weird Scientology shit. Yeah, totally. I mean, we could do the problem with the poo. Oh. All that shit, you know? All, all that weird, you know, cultural combo that, that exists around this decades-old TV show, you know? Half a century of fucking... They stopped strangling the boy. <laughs> I can't. Wokeness has gone crazy. He's not strangling the yeah, boy I mean, we, we could kind of do a whole thing on the, just the kind of, the problem with the Simpsons, we'll call it. You know? Like, no, I don't have a problem. I don't have a single problem. The only either. problem I have with the Simpsons is that it's still on the air and Julie Kavner is actively dying. Well, that's, it's the baby switch. Episode. We call it the problem with the Simpsons so people get all upset and then hit play and then we go, we're fucking with you. We don't have a problem. Nobody likes that. <laughs> Nobody likes that. That's just people are going to see the title and kill my dog. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. I think I think uh, I think that that's all that's really popping out to me. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been a hell of a year yeah. for the Wizard and the Bruiser audio comedy research based infotainment empire. It's been a fun one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was about to be like, hey, if you know of some Monopoly esque backstories that we should check out, but then again, I think I actually have to not say that because then people can be like. You took my idea. Now I'm suing you. So I don't know. We've got the Dune sequel coming out. Uh, Somebody should do a podcast about Dune someday. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's stuff on the horizon. But this has been an amazing year in general for video games, for uh, for finally stuff's coming out again. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all feeling that after the awful, awful stretch of pandemic. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. It's been a hell of a year. Uh, we'll be back next year with more Whizbrew. <laughs> um, but uh, until then, uh, we just want to say a big thank you to everybody who's listened to the show uh, throughout the year, everybody who found the show this year, everybody who's stuck with the show for the past several years. Uh, Jake, it's always a pleasure working with you. And by the way, and not just d- recording a podcast over a fucking Zoom call or whatever once a week, but also being on the road, oh living in God. hotel rooms together. 
you know, just going through it, dogging it out there <laughs> has been absolutely a pleasure. And, um, Here's to many more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, thank you, everybody who came to our live shows. It yeah. was really great meeting all of you guys face to face and like uh, getting to do our little thing for you live in person. That was wonderful. Yeah. I have a lot of cherished uh, trinkets and and things that people gave us uh, on the road. And it's just been a, it's been a, it's been a special, special year for for all that kind of thing, for for the 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 love coming from you guys. So thanks a lot for that. All right, Jake. Have a go and see you in 2024. Uh, before you go, if you're not a member of the Patreon, hey, go to patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. You get bonus episodes every week, uh, usually us talking about current events and the things that we've been playing and watching that week. And uh, also, if you're sick of ads on these shows, there's ad-free episodes. Just, just the raw goodness just delivered straight to your ear with no interruptions. That's all available on the Patreon for just $5 a month. It supports us. It supports the show. It supports the network. It literally keeps the wheels flying down this crazy road we call life. Also, check out Tears of a Clown, uh, me and Holden's uh, tier list stream over on twitch.tv slash LPNTV. It is, uh, I don't want to say it's one of the flagship streams, but I'm saying Lots of people hanging out, lots of people getting into very fun arguments, and we have had tons of fun with our guests, and uh, it's it's a great watch. Check it out. You can also watch uh, the old ones on YouTube. It's nice to hear from Henry and team that they're thrilled with Tears of a Clown and just really, really love it, and uh, we'll keep doing it. And also, our own stuff, Puppet Jared on Twitch. Uh, check him out, twitch.tv forward slash Puppet Jared. Uh, every Thursday, the cartoon dumpster. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying something new. Now you plug mine. Uh, go to twitch.tv slash Holdenators. Holden streams usually four days a week. There's games. There's fun reality TV watch-alongs. There's Jackin' with the Holdies, a uh, rambunctious, uh, carnal parade of delights that has uh, hundreds of people screaming, yes, I love these two people when they hang out and do substances together. Absolutely. And the like one of the only nights I don't stream is Thursday. Check out the Cartoon Dumpster with Jake. Aww, the awesome old school watch. Twitch.tv forward slash Puppet Jared. Uh, I, I wanted to get more specific. All right. Uh, what else? I think that's it. We're done. Let's get out of here. Hey, everybody, always remember, never stop bruising. And please, in this year and last year and every year next, never stop whizzing. Just just please keep whizzing. <laughs> April hit it! Now fuck you! You hit it! This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.